when I wasn't looking when I asked if you were ready. And I, <laughs> I definitely thought you had some kind of horn that you blew. Well, I've got the Horn of Jerusalem <laughs> installed into the, my face since birth. <laughs> so good so good anyway sorry about that <laughs> oh i should finish getting set up i gotta get the right playlist up but oh, welcome to growing the up. intro it is the intro welcome to growing up punk the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends my name is david that's my friend aaron <laughs> the horn the goose whatever you want to call me For those that don't know i blow my nose very loudly it's just <laughs> how it is i mean we know now we know now um welcome back yeah we're gonna full disclosure we're recording this episode right after we recorded the last one. Oh, don't give away the inside secrets. Oh, right. But I'm just, hey, we're being efficient. I'm, I'm like bragging a little. No, like, look how efficient we are. Yeah. <laughs> 12 episodes in 12 hours. 12, it's a marathon. Uh, yes. No. It's pretty we, much what we used to do with interviews. It was like every, th- every third day, each one of us would have an interview. Oh. We'd be backed up for months. The year, I so guess that was. That. It was probably, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, right? Like, remember. Oh, I'd do an interview and they'd be like, it'd be like March. And they'd be like, all right, when's this interview going to air? Like October? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Uh, it was a bit much. That was, was that just last year? 2022 must have been? I think. Uh, it feels like a long time ago, but yeah, yeah, yeah it might have been. Wild. Anyway, we're back to talk about more music. And uh, this one, we, this, okay, so going back to uh, when we recorded our Lifetime episode, there were two bands that I kind of wanted to talk about stemming from that so one was saves the day which is like the band that often you know oftentimes gets compared i think to lifetime especially the early saves the day stuff uh and then the other was the ataris which is what we're going to talk about today specifically because there was i i couldn't tell you now what song it was what the moment what whatever but there was a moment in a song that i'm like every time i heard it i went oh that reminds me of a song by the Ataris. And, uh, but again, <laughs> since that time has passed, I could not tell you what song that was. And I didn't go back to like double check, uh, or to make sure we picked that song. So I could boys of summer or, uh, uh, uh no. No, 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 <laughs> it would have been a song <laughs> off of, uh, blue skies, broken hearts, next 12 exits, which is one of the albums we're going to talk about. We're also going to talk about, you know, a, a song you, well, we're not going to talk about that song, but the album that that song comes off of so long, Astoria. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't, yeah, I don't remember whether there was a very specific moment on lifetime though, where I was like, man, this is, this is just the Ataris. And I don't know, no, this album came out after, so it would have been lifetime first for sure. Um, but here's the interesting thing that I think is interesting anyways. So we are doing this the same way we did it last time where we each kind of picked, um, uh, we each kind of picked the songs to represent one specific album, and we're doing the opener, the closer, and then one in the middle. That's just a pick. And I was a little surprised because you right out of the gate jumped and said you wanted to pick So Long Astoria. Is that be- like the songs from that? Is that because, is that the only like Atari's album you're ever really into? Or uh, It's just the one that I gave the most attention to at the time of it coming out. Sure, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting for me because I think, and we'll get into the album, obviously, but um, I think at the time that would have been the same sort of thing for me. 
But I think now when I go back to an album more, it's uh, Blue Skies, Broken Hearts. And I don't know if that's like similar to, I think like when I, when I listen to say Blink-182 and, you know, you talk about your favorite Blink records, um, you know, I kind of would often go, well, I think like uh, you take off your pants and jacket is like them at their like pure pop punk, like songwriting peak and then obviously untitled's cool but like probably my favorite that i go to even though it's you know not necessarily the best all around is dude ranch right and i think similarly with the ataris i i think probably as a whole so long astoria is the album that i think is like kind of better packaged all around and more accessible and whatever but there's something about the sound of blue skies broken hearts that i kind of go back to all the time yeah, no, that's yeah, and again, that's I you know as we're talking on the last episode about bands that have you know discographies that kind of shift or change a bit. Yeah. Like it's it's always cool what draws people to a certain sound, or maybe it's just a time that you heard it. Like there's just so many different reasons why you might like one album versus the other, even if one's considered you know their their better album or whatever mm. it is. So yeah, that's what's cool about music. Well, let's get into it, shall we? Let's uh, kick off Blue Skies, Broken Hearts with the opening track, which is called Losing Street. opener um i think that song's okay as an opener uh similar to actually uh saves the day on through being cool the opening track is very short uh i don't know if i'm a big fan of like that kind of intro riff the palm muting and just like the straight drums um it kind of feels weird when it kicks in however i'm like okay now we're going but it takes like 15 seconds or so to like get there right (laughs) um and so it is kind of a little bit weird it also feels like it like the it's quiet off the beginning um i don't it's just a, a weird choice 
I think, as to why that's the kind of intro to the song. As far as the rest of the song is concerned, I think it's fine. Again, similar to Through Being Cool, is it just kind of like takes off. It's fast-paced. It's a good song. It's a catchy song. You know, it's not necessarily doing anything um, spectacular. It just feels a little weird that the intro is is what it is, I think. But uh, this, I think... Yeah, I'm pretty sure this would have been, this 100% would have been my introduction to the Ataris, was this record. And it's kind of a funny story. I had a physical copy of this, but the story that was fed to me, because I didn't buy it, was, uh, so there's a guy who I went to school with, like basically from like junior high, even like middle, like I guess middle school. So like from grade six on type thing. And, uh, for, for like through junior high, middle school, all that kind of stuff. He was kind of like the school bully. He was, I I got in a fight with him at one day, at one point in time, we were in the same class and I decided to turn the tables on him because he was like routinely picking on people. And then, so I decided to start picking on him all day until the point where he got just like super pissed off. And he like, (laughs) this is kind of a funny story. Um, I was I had a friend that was picking on him with me and I'm not condoning picking on anybody, but this is just what happened. And my friend kind of wised up and, you know, laid off and stopped, but I just kept like picking on this guy, even though he was like twice the size of me. And, uh, he eventually gets so mad and he like flips, like he just grabs like the legs of my chair that I'm sitting in and like flips the chair up. So I fall down. Right. Like he basically pushed me out of the chair. I pick the chair up throw the chair at him. He punches me, (laughs) teacher breaks it up. We go out and we sit in the hallway and immediately just start laughing about it. But what I thought was was, grade 12. No, this was in grade six. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But what I thought was so funny, uh, a couple of things is one, the teacher's just like, okay, you two are just fighting. So best thing to do is to send you out into the hallway unsupervised together. Uh, (laughs) But we just ended up like laughing about the whole situation and then from that point on like he never picked on me like he was always kind of like buddy buddy with me or whatever like we weren't like hang out friends sort of thing but in high school years later fast forward he comes up to me one day and he's like he gives me two cds he hands me jawbreaker dear you and the atari's uh blue skies broken hearts and he's like his story was he found them in the back of a rental car which (laughs) I don't know if I'm supposed to believe that or if he just stole them from someone and then gave them to me. But either way, I kept yeah, them. Good deal. Yeah, and they've been like two records that I've gone back to over the years uh, and absolutely loved. But um, yeah, so this is, and maybe that's a little bit why, you know, it's kind of the one I go back to uh, is because it I go back further with it, right? But um, yeah, weird, weird opening song or weird intro anyways to the song. But uh, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, as far as the song, pretty much the same thing. I, I don't love how it opens like that. Otherwise, the song song's great. Um, yeah, as for discovering this, um, yeah, this was also first introduction. I believe San Dimas was on Fat Music, um, Fat Comp. And uh, yeah. so I, I do remember it sounding different than lots of the other music on Fat Records. It wasn't as fast or kind of as aggressive. And you know, while it did while it did stand out, it didn't really grab me 
you know, the same way at that time. It wasn't kind of until years later that I really listened to the album and got much more into the band. And mm-hmm. um, I feel like I still have some mixed feelings about the album. It's not one I revisit a whole lot, but it has some really strong songs on it. And overall, it's a fun listen. Um, I like the cover art. You know, the the color oh, yeah. goes with the title, which is which is kind of cool. Yeah. You know, it's a sim- simple image, but it seems like it's, you know, pretty iconic and easily remembered. And so... Um, yeah, kind of the whole package together is, is pretty rad. Yeah. Uh, I will say about the cover art, I do think the band logo is terrible on it though. Like just looking at it, like the font they chose, it's pretty rough, but I think, yes, the, the cover art itself, I think is pretty iconic. Um, and the Ataris were also a band that I think were one of the, like, like you can't call them anything but pop punk, right? Like they're a pop punk band. And for whatever reason, they felt like, at least in like the town and the scene that I grew up in, like they were one of the accepted pop punk bands by the, like the punk kids, right? Like it was okay to like the Ataris, but it wasn't okay to like Blink-182 or New Found Glory or, you know what I mean? Like, Hmm. and maybe they're not identical to the, I mean, obviously Blink and New Found Glory aren't identical to each other either, but like, so they somehow found their way, I think, running parallel with that scene without necessarily being fully immersed in that scene. And maybe that's maybe, maybe MXPX is kind of similar in that light too, where like there was a moment where it felt like they like dabbled, you know, maybe with like, uh, with life in general, like kind of running over and going like straight up the blink 182 route. Whereas, and like kind of losing, ah, although when I think about it, I do remember a lot of people being like, Oh, MXPX, they're not a punk band. You know, but I, I don't know if some of that was just due to the fact that they obviously came from Tooth and Nail. and They're uh, ska punk. They're ska punk band. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, the Ataris, <laughs> and, and maybe I'm just, you know, kind of grouping them together because of their, obviously they've had, you know, they've crossed paths in different ways. Like MXPX All-Stars initially had Chris Rowe playing in the right. band with Mike Herrera, right? Like, yeah. Which, talk about, like, a pretty rad show to go to. You get to go see some MXPX songs and some Atari songs as a bonus. Like that's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, they, they somehow I think escaped that for the most part, or maybe it's just where I'm from. Um, yeah, no, I feel like that's, they seem like they were, and again, maybe because they were on comps with right. more of those skate punk bands or uh, yeah. Yeah. And back then you were always trying to kind of figure out like, is this a part of it or isn't? Or it's just like, okay, well, somebody thought they should go together. So I guess I'll take it at that. And I think like, I don't know what label this was. Like, was this, because they were on Kung Fu, right? Is that what they were on? Which is the Vandals label? Yeah, I think, I remember listening to a podcast about this. Yeah. So this record record was on Kung Fu. Their next record was on Kung Fu. And then I think they go, then they go major. So they definitely like... Whereas, say, like, a Blink-182, you know, they were on, like, for, like, Buddha and Cheshire Cat, they were on an independent label. I think it was, was it, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But then they went, like, Dude Ranch was a major label release, right? Like, they were yeah. major label pretty quick. Whereas I think, like, the argument would be, I mean, MXPX, obviously, they had a couple that were independent. And then even, like, Life in General initially was Tooth and Nail. And then it was, I think, re-released by A&M, a major label. Yeah. So, like, maybe it's just how long it took them to get to a major. Because Astoria is the first major label release that they have. So maybe it's just, like, something like that where, you know, they're on Kung Fu, which, like I said, I think was the Vandals label. Um, yeah, I could be so. wrong with that, but I haven't, I haven't done a whole lot of digging with Kung Fu, but I'm, a, I'm going to assume that like kind of bottom some punk credibility as it were. Right. Like, so, but anyway, 
I love them. They're they're a band that I enjoy. So let's get into the next song, which you just yeah. mentioned. Uh, this was a tricky pick for me, so I just kind of went with like what I think is, you know, it's it's one of it's an I would say it's an all time you know '90s pop punk, early 2000s pop punk song. I love this one. Uh, San Dimas High School Football Rules. <laughs> Like that song, it's it'll get stuck in my head without listening to the song, simply because like that, the, like just the opening lines. Last night I had a dream that we went to Disneyland and went on all the rides, didn't have to wait in line, right? Like it's just like it's ingrained in my brain. Yeah, um, and maybe people would be like, you should have picked a different song because that was, I think, like I don't know if it was officially a single. It must have been. Like there, it must have been out somewhere. You said it was on a you you heard it on a comp or whatever, but I'm yeah. assuming it was like on the radio somewhere on like K rock or something like that. Right. Like maybe they, I don't even know if they have a video for it. I haven't looked, but, um, it's just like, it's such an all time song for me. And it reminds me of being in high school and, you know, just like listening to those fun bands that you, you know, kind of grow up and you look back on and you love and whatever. And there's just, um, I don't know. I don't know. And 
it's it's just a great song. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about it. Simple riff to open it up, just the bee right? Like nothing nothing crazy technical or anything about it, just a solid solid song. Yeah, this this would definitely be my most listened to song on the album. Um yeah, there's just so much nostalgia like you said in the lyrics and in that time and um yeah, well it has that simple guitar lead. It's it's mm. still really memorable. I like the flow of the song. You know, the drum changes a bit in the chorus, kind of those little, like, or, uh, some kind of, like, the, like, starts and stops, so it gives mm-hmm. it, you know, a little bit more dynamic. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting how long the instrumental part at the end of the song is. That's kind of pretty unique right. for for that type of song, or even that time, or that era of songs. I don't know that there was a lot of, like, longer instrumentals on pop punk albums. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I like it, and it kind of, it fits, so... Also, I think I think Chris Rowe is one of those songwriters that just has the ability to really like hook um, just like that nostalgic vein, you know, like uh, just the way he references. So in this in this song, he he references the movie Stand By Me, which um, is great because that officially ties this album and so long a story together by referencing Corey Feldman movies, um, which is fine in my books, but I just love how, yeah, he's got like this ability cause it, he does it a lot on so long a story where he just sings songs where you're like, yeah, I feel like this is a story from my life, like from my, not necessarily right now what I'm going through, but a story I experienced in my life at some point in time. He's just really, I think solid at writing uh, songs that way and this is i think just one of those examples it, it has that nostalgic lyric but it also over time just becomes that nostalgic sound it's just classic um and it's a song that i will i mentioned uh on on the saves the day episode um about the one song that i said is like just like a playlist go to like it's gonna yeah. be on play this is one too sure. i'm like if yeah. i'm making a playlist it's gonna be in my mind somewhere um yeah. so yeah it's it's fantastic so let's get into i guess the closer of this record uh and it is called in spite of the world
It is definitely one that feels more like a closer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, it almost reminds me of like Theme Fiasco from MXPX or something in some um, ways. Just Yeah, I can, I, it's funny because at the beginning of the song, when the guitar first comes in with those just like big strums, it just reminds me instantly of Everlong by the Foo Fighters. Oh, okay. And like, like, cause it's got like the bass intro, which uh, Everlong doesn't, but it's just like Everlong has that like iconic guitar riff. And then the guitars just kind of like strum out these big chords to kind of accent it. And so when that bass riff is playing and then the guitars just hit these two big chords, it's like, oh, bam, bam. I was like, oh yeah, this just reminds me of Everlong. And then it goes into an actual song with a big long outro that kind of like, you know, they're, they're jamming and then it sort of falls apart a little bit at the end as, you know, people are like, how do we end the song? I don't know. Just stop playing, I guess, and <laughs> hit things. But, um, yeah, it, it does. It feels a little bit like a proper closer to me, which I think is, is fantastic because I think it does the trick that you want it to do is go, Oh man, I feel like I've resolved something and now I just want to go back to the beginning and listen to it again. At least that's what it does for me. Yeah, yeah, this one has a yeah cool darker sound to it. It's definitely not as catchy. It feels a little bit more experimental, um, but I like that it's still driving. The song kind of moves forward well, even with different styles of song structures. Um, some of the kind of weirder, darker parts really remind me of things that you know Tom DeLonge would kind of do later on in Boxcar Racer, and mm-hmm. some of those like kind of older hardcore influences with just kind of more dissonant chords, but there's still kind of some melody in it, and so. Yeah, it's yeah, like you said, it's a cool way to end it. Um, again, long, longer instrumental, yeah. which is which is interesting. But I guess it makes it stand out. So I mentioned uh, a moment ago about from San Dimas when he m- mentioned "Stand by Me," the Corey Feldman movie. The next record we're going to get into, it's got some straight up references on the album, but also like the name of the record, "So Long Astoria," comes straight from the Goonies. Uh, which, if you were unaware, that ties them then to Slick Shoes as well, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> as far as bands taking influence from the Goonies. But, um, yeah, let's let's just jump right into this one. It's the opening track. It's also the title track uh, off of So Long Astoria. <laughs> Shipwrecks 
so that song i don't know if like top to bottom if it's supposed to just be like uh a nod to the goonies because it's got a whole lot um from lines like these relics of remembrance are just like shipwrecks only they're gone faster than the smell after it rains uh so long astoria i found a map to buried treasure and even if we come home empty-handed we still have our stories of battle scars pirate ships and wounded hearts uh, and then at the end there, he says, well, this is my wish and I'm taking it back. I'm taking it all back. That's literally a line from uh, the Goonies. And it's probably like one of the best moments in the movie um, when Sean Astin delivers that line as a young child. He does a pretty good job. But uh, tell me a little bit about this album in the sense that uh, you were so quick to pick it as the one that you wanted to kind of lead the way on. Was this like, were you... Was this the first kind of proper album of the Ataris that you listened to? Yeah, it it might have been. So this came out in 2003, I believe. Yeah. Um, so that year, um, there was some exchange students that were going to... So I graduated in 2002, so I stayed yeah. home for a year. But my two best friends were a year younger than me, so they were in grade 12. And there was these three exchange students from different places that came and just connected and so we would hang out all the time so one of them was from italy and she was really into the ataris and so i mean i just didn't really expect someone like that to really know anything about like kind of punk music or whatever right sure yeah and so she said that and this album came out so we just i mean we hung out all the time and and listened to this album a a ton and so it kind of has special memories kind of tied to that um i feel like this album is their their cleanest work like it's the production is really smooth on it it's really well put together album lots of great songs and moments um i kind of wish we could have gotten more albums like this from the Mm -hmm. band yeah um but yeah just overall really enjoy it um you know even the the don henley cover i i wouldn't have known uh that original song when i heard this so it wasn't really kind of till after that came out and that came up and i was like oh i don't know seems like a cool song so which is kind of how it went for a lot of covers kind of in those years when I didn't know the original. But, yeah, um, yeah the cover art I like, too. It kind of has that old-time vibe to it, you know, the water tower. Yeah. Reminds me of small towns around here in the prairies that have water towers, even though this <laughs> one's kind of on a harbor or whatever. But, um, yeah, not necessarily specific strong feelings towards it, but I think it fits the album really well. Yeah, it's um, – I, yeah, I, I think it's it's very much an artwork of the time as well. Um, just like the color scheme, the old black and white photo kind of in the middle. It reminds me a little bit of uh, a record from, from Autumn to Ashes, The Fiction We Live, I think. Oh, just yeah. sort of was like that whole sepia tone like vibe going on, which that would have been maybe even the same year, right around that same time anyway. Um, but yeah, this one, this record for sure takes me back to living with my roommates. Um, I don't know until more recently if I ever owned this record, uh, outside of a burned copy, but I did. I remember at one point I bought, there was a DVD that was released. Uh, maybe, but maybe it came with the CD. I feel like it was on its own, but I could be wrong. But anyways, and it was like them playing songs from this album live in like an airplane hangar oh, with cool. a crowd. And I remember the one guitar player had a, had a camera on the headstock of his guitar and it was just this like really weird angle and view. Um, but it was really rad. I also saw, I went to San Diego. It must have been 20, must have been 2015. That doesn't make sense. I went anyways, and they were doing, 
like some kind of anniversary for this record and at house of blues san diego and so they played this whole record front to back oh you were at that show uh, it was before, so yeah, it was. And more recently, they did it again right. for like what would be the 20th anniversary. So I'm just thinking when this would have been, but because it wasn't 2013, because I went in San, I was in San Diego in 2018. So I think it was like 2016, but I don't, that wouldn't make sense for like what kind of anniversary it was. But anyway, um, they played this album front to back. It was really good. It was awesome. And then, you know, for their encore, they played like San Dimas and, you know, like some of their. Uh, some of their other hits or whatever other songs um but yeah this um this record it's again super nostalgic for me it takes me right back it's one of those records where it takes me right to a specific place living in the basement with my roommates whatever hanging out um so it's it's great and uh and i do think yeah it's got a ton of great moments on it it is maybe a little bit long um yeah in that like it's 13 songs plus then there's i don't know if the two like hidden tracks were like on the cd from the get-go because one of them is just a, is um i won't spend another night alone which is literally off of blue skies broken hearts and uh and then the other one's an acoustic version of an earlier song on the record but uh Ooh, fancy but will it, if it's hidden it won't be listed <laughs> this will be great. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> he didn't fall. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it just has the 13 songs on here. Yeah. Unless they're unless they are hidden somewhere, but Well, they on on the Wikipedia, they're listed they're listed as hidden. Um, but like I don't know on the Wikipedia, I don't know if it specified that it was like, oh, this was on the deluxe edition or this was on the Japanese release or whatever, right? Like I don't know, but um, doesn't matter. It is like I I could do without. I know you mentioned the Don Henley song. I could do without that. Like that is a song that probably nine times. Let's oh look at that. He's got blue skies. Probably nine times out of ten, I'll skip Boys of Summer. Uh, just cause I've heard it so many times. I do like the rewrite of the deadhead sticker on a Cadillac to black flag sticker on a Cadillac. I thought it was clever. Just like, um, I believe MXPX covered San Dimas high school football yeah. rules. And Mike Herrera did a similar thing where he like changed a lyric. Uh, I don't remember sticker on his, uh, Ernie ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty great. So anyways, let's get into the next song that, uh, you picked. Uh, I'll get you to talk about it after we listen to it, though. It's Unopened Letter to the World. If I died tomorrow, would the song live on forever? And here is my unopened letter to a world that never shouted
It's like, all right, the song's done. What's the funny song, about yeah. that song that I'm just noticing now is it starts very similar to the Saves the Day at Your Funeral where he's just oh, yeah. singing <laughs> with just kind of like some kind of muted chord or whatever yeah. kind of in the yeah. background and the whole <laughs> thing comes in. But Maybe yeah, again, this like is it. one of the songs that I immediately think of when I think of this album, so that's why I picked it. Yeah, I like the start with just the vocals and guitar and then just the energy that comes in with the rest of the song. Yeah. There's a few parts of the song that actually reminds me of MXPX now that mm. we've talked about them and maybe it's just some of the similar melodies or whatever. Uh, this song doesn't really have a big kind of repeated chorus, which is yeah. a bit different. Like it kind of has that the opening line that they say a few times. I don't know if that's supposed to be the chorus, but it then kind of goes into different parts. But I feel like each section of the song kind of stands on its own, even though it's maybe not structured how typical songs might be. Yeah. I do love, again, when, when they say names in songs, like when he just says, Mr. Higginson, <laughs> am I not good enough for the world? Like, I'm assuming that was a high school teacher of his uh, who just didn't like him, didn't agree with him or whatever. But, um, and again, it's just like another way I feel that he really taps into nostalgia. I never had a Mr. Higginson in school, but like for sure, you know, you had teachers in school that you didn't like as much as other teachers or what have you. Right. Like, um, and it's funny that you mentioned the MXPX thing. Cause I don't think this is one, but Mike Herrera definitely sings backup vocals on a number of songs on this record. Oh, I, did you not know that? Oh man. Yeah. I don't know if he sings on this one, but for sure he, uh, like on radio number two, he's on it and it's okay. a few songs, I believe. Um, so long. I'm just going to look it up real quick. Astoria. If it'll, if it'll tell me that is, but, uh, I, I do remember seeing that at one point in time and being like, Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, personnel uh, oh, he's just listened to my career backing vocals but um i don't know oh, if yeah. it... backup vocals my career uh, track yeah. listening does it say uh those are just writers um but yeah anyways he he definitely sings on a couple i feel like they're kind of in a row so maybe it's looking back on today as well uh, which sounds like an mxpx song title looking back on today yeah um but yeah, he he is on it a few times, so it's funny that yeah, that's cool. again, again, like Chris played in MXPX All Stars and stuff. Like there was obviously a friendship there, um, good old buds. But uh, yeah, yeah, and this is one of the songs where um, the Atari's this album in particular has a very specific sound that I will hear kind of come up in other songs that it'll be like, oh, that reminds me of the Atari's, you know, just that kind of melancholic sort of. Yeah. Melancholic, nostalgic. I don't know how you want to describe it, right? Like this feels like a pop punk album that you listen to, you know, on a rainy day. Uh, and, and part of that is definitely, I think, um, the fact that, you know, so like Astoria, I don't think Astoria is a real place, but it's supposed to be in Oregon, which of course is rainy a lot. And all, you know, just yeah. like that whole, there, I feel like that kind of like clouds over the whole record in a very cool way and this this song is one of those examples where you just kind of hear those like minor chords shine through at different parts and you're like yeah you know he's doing a lot of inward reflecting today it seems yeah. like but well i really like the line that if i died tomorrow with a song live on forever i think that's you know probably yeah. what many musicians think of when they're writing a song so it's right just kind of a cool way to kind of end the song with with that line and yeah, and i, I like do that. it's funny because I feel like to, to kind of like 
drive home that feeling if if i die tomorrow the song live on forever you could really kind of like repeat that and fade it right like the idea being like when you fade out a song is like you want you want the the listener to keep sort of singing along but i love the idea that it's just like the song live on forever stop yeah <laughs> no nope, it's done right now no more um yeah no it's a it's a great song i also think that like a lot of these songs translate well to acoustic which uh, I think is just a, a kind of a testament to Chris's writing specifically at this time. I think he, and, and maybe he was writing a lot on acoustic. So that just like the, the bones of the song was there, you know, before kind of throwing the band on, I don't know, but um, I think they're, they're all definitely pretty solid songs. So let's get into uh, the last one, shall we? Let's do it. And this one, this one I had to kind of, because I, initially um, when I sent you the playlist, I sent you the wrong song because I did send you, um, why well, I, I didn't send you the saddest song because I saw that that was acoustic. It's like, oh wait, that's from earlier in the album. So initially I sent you, I won't spend another night alone. And I was like, wait a second, that's off of blue skies. That's not right. And I was like, oh, it's hidden. So eight of nine is, uh, the proper closer. So, uh, here we go. These hospitals are the palest of Desert, they reside in my last rites The smell of these halls Brings temporary comfort As the oxygen flows through my blood El Corazon was poisoned tonight Prayers are insincere The other half are lies Here is this watermark Under this bridge The point where it crested Rolled back and drifted Into the This wreckage as the smoke begins to clear from my lungs. The closest of close calls has happened tonight. It's time that I made things right.
I love the end of that song. It reminds me of um, the Beatles' A Day in a Life, uh, where it's just like this big cacophony of sound, and then it just ends with this like one chord. Oh, Bong. yeah. Um, it's kind of cool. But uh, again, much like Blue Skies, uh, a song that feels like a closer, like an album closer, um, and it's... Uh, it's great. Makes me want to listen to it again. This this episode definitely makes me want to go back because I just realized. I'm sure I knew this at some point in time, uh, but in my mind, this record and Blue Skies are back to back, but they're not. There's actually a, an album in between there. End is forever, right? Um, yeah. Which I'm like, oh, now I kind of want to go back and listen to that to like see, you know, sort of what they were doing. I've listened to it at some point in time in the past, but anyway, um, this closer eight of nine. Uh, tell me some of your thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, I think it has like similar to Blue Skies. It you know it ends with a bit of a darker sounding song. It's you know, that the dynamics and then that yeah that sound or that talking or yeah. whatever it is. I'm not sure if that's a part of the story or the lyrics or anything. So there's uh, some cool backstory to that. Um, yeah, I don't know if the song really stands out super well to me, um, mm-hmm. but I think the the aesthetic of it does lend good for a closing song. Like it kind of makes you want to put it back to back to the start and just be like, okay back to kind of the the happy sounding thing and so um, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it goes well with the cover art kind of you know and just the water or the rain or the the ups and downs of of the weather even if if that has anything to play into this but. yeah yeah i mean it definitely feels like a song and i think lyrically too where he's just like coming to a resolution as it were um which I, I really like. And again, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit annoying, especially on digital streaming that there are two songs that follow it. Um, so, you know, maybe delete them yeah. from your, from your digital library or whatever, just to like get that, that, that right stop. Although I don't know what the, you know, how much time there was between, or if it was literally just the next track or whatever on the record on the CD, I've got it. It's in my car though. It's not anywhere near me. So I, and I don't have a CD drive on my computer anymore, so I couldn't even put it in to like see what the difference uh, is. But, yeah. but um, yeah, no. As, as the actual proper album closer, I, I like it. I do. Um, yeah, I wish I knew what the the speaking was there, and you know, maybe with some research it can be discovered. Uh, but but it's uh, I don't know. I think it's a great way to end the record. Um, like I said, it's it's maybe the record as a whole is a little bit too long for me. Uh, but I, I could do without boys of summer on there. Um, and I think boys of summer also feels a little bit like, I don't, I I feel like I heard a story that it wasn't supposed to be a single and they had like storyboarded and come up with an idea for a video and then K rock or someone started playing it and it blew up for them. Yeah. And then, something like that. Or the yeah, label and was f- really pushing them to release it as a single. And- yeah. But like, cause the video, if you watch the video, it really doesn't fit the vibe of the song at all. Um, so I don't know if like that idea for the video was supposed to be for something else. And then they just pivoted and we're like, well, this is what we're doing now. Uh, but for a completely different song, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I love this record. It's one that um, I I will go back to, and it's one that for sure gives me all the feels, as it were, um, where I, I put it on. I'm in a specific place, and I can sing along to most of it. Um, yeah, no, it's just it's just a great record. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's much similar to you know similar to Saves the Day, where I had said like uh, you know 
this band I'm very specifically narrowed in. I and again I was thinking they were back to back, but there's one in between. But narrowed in on just two albums, and that's kind of it. Uh, I haven't really spent any time with anything that came after this. I think I've like put them on to check them out, and they didn't immediately grab me. And I was kind of like, all right, that's cool, and moved on. But um, you do know, they ha- like, do they have any significant releases after this album? Yeah, so that's what I was trying to figure out for sure. Well, like, There's definitely it was just him for a while, or what well, was, and that's what, what I don't sure know. Was. Because in 2007, there was Welcome the Night. And then this, I don't think is them. No, this is electronic. Uh, uh, and then 2017, there's Silver Turns to Rust. Yeah, I feel like those albums are... And then Hang something. Your Head in Hope. Oh, that the acoustic sessions. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I wonder, was that, when did that come out? 20, oh, 2019. So that's even before the pandemic. Because I know he did a lot of, I want to check those out maybe. Uh, and then he did, there's the So Long a Story of Demos, which... Again, holy, that's 23 songs. That's funny. Um, but yeah, so there were a couple of records. It looks like two two actual like studio full lengths that came out after this. And I don't know if I ever listened to Silver Turns to Rust. Um, I mean, it, it says it's in my library, so I definitely added it at some point. I'm pretty sure I listened to Welcome to the Night and was like, ah, not really doing it for me. Yeah, I'll stick to these ones. Yeah, exactly. Now, I, I think they've got the band back together. Uh, cause I know they were playing those like 20 year anniversary shows. And I think if I remember correctly, it was like the lineup that recorded that, that mm. recorded so long a story yeah. was playing it, but, um, yeah. yeah, well, that's cool. Sometimes it just takes time to get back to a place where you can revisit things or look, if we got works. the band back together, anybody can get the band back together. Oh, of course, man. We've got <laughs> plenty of bands back together. Oh, I just meant us. You know, recording for the first time in months. Oh, all right. (laughs) It's the same, man. It's the same as a band breaking up for years to get back together down the road. (laughs) Well, I think uh, unless you had any closing thoughts on, uh, oh, I guess I was going to ask. I think it's probably obvious again, but if you're picking between Blue Skies and So Long Astoria, what are you picking? Yeah, I think So Long Astoria, but also I've listened to it a lot more, so maybe just based off of that. I'm not saying it's necessarily a better album, but... I think it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I think overall, yeah, it probably is. Like, I think songwriting-wise, he's, like, Chris was in a groove. Uh, but much, like I said it earlier, I think, like, similar to when it comes to Blink, I like to go back to Dude Ranch as just, like, if I'm going to put Blink on. Um, unless I'm very much like, ooh, I want to listen to this specific song or this specific album because whatever mood. Uh, the Atari's it's become blue skies is like the one that I'll just kind of like, if I'm just driving somewhere, I need something to listen to that, you know, that like, that's kind of the go-to one. Um, and, uh, but like so long a story, I've definitely spent a ton of time with watch that DVD. I don't know how many times I want to look it up. It's gotta be on YouTube now. It was pretty great, but, but yeah, anyways, um, with that, that's going to wrap it up. So go follow us on social media at growing punk pod you'll find our personal instagrams twitters whatever linked there as well tell your friends about the show all that kind of good stuff but uh that'll do it so uh goodbye good to be back see you soon